Hello and welcome to the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. My name is J.R. Everhart. Some call me minister, others call me pastor, most call me friend. Uh, nowadays, a very quarantined friend. <laughs> we are in, I don't know, I quit counting after about week six. I think we're in about week seven or eight of uh, quarantine in 2020, just to kind of timestamp this podcast. And I woke up this morning um, really feeling the presence of God and and felt like he gave me a word um, for some of you guys and myself included. That's how these always work. I don't know if you figured that out by now, and I think I say it enough that you probably should have. But um, yeah, these podcasts minister to me every bit as much as they do to anyone else. But what he was kind of telling me this morning was that you know, we don't have to be identified by our struggles. Um, oh, and, and by the way, I am uh, I'm sitting on the front, por- front porch of my beautiful home here in West Virginia. So if you hear airplanes going by and the wind blowing and squirrels chirping and all kinds of crazy stuff, it's because I'm enjoying a beautiful morning here in the presence of the Lord. Um, but yeah, I think in, in recovery circles specifically, uh, we get so stuck in the idea that, you know, uh, addiction, you know, has held us back and uh, we've paid a lot of high prices at the altar of addiction in our life that um, we sometimes allow that to become our identity. The thing that I enjoy most about Celebrate Recovery over other programs like AA and NA and Al-Anon and stuff like that or whatever um, is that we don't push the idea that your struggle is your identity <clears throat> because it's not. And I'm not taking anything away from those other programs because those other programs have helped, you know, thousands and thousands of people over the years. And, you know, if that's what's keeping you sober and that's what's keeping you in a, in a good place with the Lord, you know, more power to you. But... If you want to, if you're a Bible believing Christian, you know, in recovery and you want to believe with what the word has to say about us, then these, these things that we struggle with, which is how we define it and celebrate recovery, do not identify us. No more than our past dictates our future. It just doesn't work that way. You know, so, uh, I think we get so stuck in the idea and so hardcore focused on our recovery. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing in the beginning of your sobriety process. You get so hardcore focused and just in that zone of sobriety um, that it does become your identity, you know? Um, you know, recovery should be your identity. That That's okay with that, you know? Uh, but if you're a recovering drug addict or sex addict or you're coming out of an addiction to porn or you know something like that or alcoholism or you know whatever it is addiction comes in many many forms it's not just chemical stuff you know you can be addicted to control patterns in your life where you know codependency is a huge one that we deal with you know a lot Um, those are all things that we kind of placed in our personalities as making us feel like we're self-medicating or having some sort of control over our situation when really we're completely out of control and that's how we ended up in recovery. But what I'm trying to get at is we don't have to stay stuck 
You know, we don't even even when we get sobriety and, and we're really working the program and those kind of things, that doesn't have to continue to be your identity. You know, uh, we stand up in our meetings and we talk about how, you know, we state our name and we say we struggle with and then list most of us list a very long list of things from, you know, anxiety and, and depression and, you know, things like that all the way up to the chemical stuff like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, the Bible tells us that there comes a point in our walk where we have to start letting go of the things of our past. And this is where I will sometimes kind of bump heads with, you know, uh, authority figures in the church about our testimonies. Your testimony should, we have huge amounts of power in your testimony, by the way, and it's something you should always use in trying to minister to others and that sort of thing. And it's a great example of what God does to your life. But you have to be really careful that you don't allow your, your testimony to identify you in a negative way. Because I know people who get stuck in the idea that, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I'm always going to be an alcoholic, you know, my body just craves this, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And though aspects of that are very true, because they are, you probably are going to have some level of desire for that. Your flesh is probably always going to cry out for it, um, you know, and that, that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that's, that's who you are. That doesn't have to be your identity. Your identity should be found in Christ. And the Bible says that we're, we've been adopted in to the, a, a royal priesthood with Jesus through what he did on the cross. And there comes a point where, and there's been times when I've been, well, I'll give you an example. I recently started rewriting my testimony, you know, um, and man, that was a hard struggle. I mean, I probably spent six or eight months trying to just get some forward momentum with it. And that's unusual for me because I, I love writing and I, I really rarely ever have any problems finding words to put on paper, you know. Uh, but for some reason, I, can, I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't seem to figure out why I was struggling so much. And I was in a lot of prayer about it. And then about as close as I got to rewriting it was really just updating it and kind of filtering out some things that really needed to be filtered out, uh, pulling some names of people out of it, you know, and things like that. And, and just kind of just a, a, an overall update or a general revision of it. It wasn't like a total ground up, you know, rewriting of it. And I was satisfied with that. And what I realized was, you know, every time I go back through that stuff, I drag myself back through a swamp of junk, of absolute junk. And it makes me feel like I need a spiritual bath afterwards sometimes, you know. And I couldn't figure that out. And finally, God showed me that it's because I'm still holding on to a lot of that hurt and pain. I'm still holding on to that identity as an addict, you know, when really I need to be adopting the identity of Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians that, uh, you know, we got to forget about the things from before, you know, in our past and focus on, you know, the road ahead of us. So there comes a point once we've established sobriety in our life, and this is kind of a, maybe, a you know, a... a a varsity level, you know, um, addiction, you know, thing here, recovery thing here, um, principle. 
there comes a point where you just got to let it go, man. You know, where you got to say, I'm not letting this hold me back anymore. You know, um, I know guys in the program that are just kind of got comfortable with, with that label. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a drug addict and that's just, that's just who I am. And they can't turn off the voices in their head from, you know, their, their family who told them how much of a loser they were, or, you know, they had a mother or a father that was controlling and had a laundry list of their own issues that they never dealt with that, you know, made them feel like they were unworthy of any kind of love or acceptance. And I like to hope that at this level of your recovery, you've realized that those things are lies from the enemy and that you have a lot to be thankful for and you are greatly loved. But if you're stuck in a plateau, what I call a plateau of recovery, which just feels like you're not getting anywhere and you're not getting to the next level, I think it's because it's time to start letting go of stuff. It's start letting go, starting to let go of people. You know, it's starting to let go of ideas and, and lies the enemy have been telling you in your head. Um, you know, the mind is to the soul as the brain is to the body, you know? So controlling your thought life and washing your mind with the water of the word, which basically means just reading your Bible, you know, listening to a lot of sermons, you know, uh, reading Christian books and feeding your soul on a regular basis is really what what kind of, you know, helps you renew the way you think and approach things and think about things. Because if you're not doing that, then you're just kind of, you're just playing games, you know, with recovery. It really does take a lot of work to do this thing we call recovery. It's not, it's not a walk for sissies, that's for sure. You know, and there comes a point where you got to make up your mind that you don't have to stay stuck in the things that got you into a life that was unmanageable. You know, some recovery programs want you to grow, but never want you to grow out of the program. And I'm not saying that, you know, we just suddenly get to a place of maturity where we don't need meetings and things like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think some programs only guide you to a certain level of recovery, and then that is about the best you can hope for in this world. When, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. You know, the greater is him that lives in you than he that lives in the world. You know, that means, you know, the God that is living in you is bigger than the devil that's living in this world. You don't have to continue to live in that, even if it's just a, a silhouette, not even a full shadow, you know, but a silhouette of who you used to be. I don't believe that's God's will. That doesn't mean we forget where we've come from. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't allow it to control our future, you know, and if we truly want to change who we are, we got to lose that identity of the loser that was living in us. Now, we all live in a fallen nature and God's work is never done with us until we meet him. The Bible is very clear about that. So it is an ongoing process. And yes, you do need meetings. Yes, you still need to keep your accountability people in place. Yes, you still need to stay, you know, in tune with your sponsor. But you also need to be becoming, you know, restored in Christ Jesus. 
You know, so many of us are held back by the junk that people said to us. And we spent a lot of our recovery time dealing with that stuff, the thing, the things our parents said we were. I call them reflections. The reflections of ourselves, like when you look in the mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. Well, when you're in conversation with friends and family and stuff like that, the things they say about you is a reflection of yourself back to you. You're hearing their opinion of who you are. Sometimes that's very, very positive. Many times that's very, very negative. That's why it's so important that you surround yourself with positive people who love you and understand you, see the beauty of who you really are, and support your recovery process, and not people who just, you know, well, once a loser, always a loser, or, you know, some kind of mess like that. And many of us aren't getting to the next level, that varsity level of recovery, because we're not letting go of that stuff. We're not letting go of that that addiction identity. When that's exactly what God is calling us to do in his word over and over and over again. Christ did not hang on a cross so you could live defeated with a label that doesn't belong to you. Now that doesn't mean we take this message and we we go run and, you know, act like we got it all together because that could be a quick road to relapse. But what it means is you just stand up in confidence knowing that God has healed you and God has, is restoring you and that you're no longer who you used to be. The Bible says that when you come to the Lord that old things pass away and all things become new, that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. New. Sometimes that means we can't go back to the environments that we used to run in. We can't hang around the people we used to hang around with because they still have the old view of who the old you were was. You need to be hanging around people who understand and support the new view and the new you. I know that's kind of a tongue twister, but it's, it's the truth. And don't ever sit and, and dwell. And I find myself doing this a lot sometimes. And I've got to really catch myself and really pull myself back in the line. But you can't just live your whole life continuing to be attached to all the junk that was in your past. That includes mistakes that you've made. That includes people who were mistakes that you made in your life. Some stuff needs to be let go. When you share your testimony, you don't always have to dig into that. You don't have to dig up the old man to show the work of Christ in your life. So there has, it has to be very careful. That's why you should never put your testimony together alone. You should do it with your sponsor. You should let your sponsor help you walk you through that. Guys, success is in, in the details of our, our daily walk. It really is. And the enemy is constantly trying to get us to identify with who he thinks we should be. And the fallen nature that lives inside of us bears witness with that each and every day. That's why it feels right sometimes. Because if you're living by your feelings and not by every word of the Lord, you can easily be deceived because your flesh will always bear witness with this world because it's of this world. You are not of this world. This meat suit we call a body that we walk around in is not going to heaven. It did not get saved. It's always going to want to live in rebellion. It's always going to fight against all the good you're trying to do in your life. And the sooner you understand that will be the, the sooner you 
start walking in victory in your life. The Bible says you will get a new body when you go to heaven. This body's going back to the dust of this earth because it's of this world. And you have to understand that. This is not your identity. In Romans 7, Paul went as far as to say, it's not me that's committing the sin, but the sin that lives in me. He's talking about his flesh. He's talking about the war that happens between your, your mind and your brain. Does that make sense? Because there's a huge difference between those two. And the things you feed your mind dictates the path that you walk. Because there's nothing worse than someone who has vision out the rear end and good intentions out the rear end, but has absolutely no execution or follow through. They have no application of the word in their life. All they have is knowledge of it. And I know a boatload of people inside the church, not just recovery, inside the church, who have a wealth of knowledge from the word and have zero application in their life. And then they want to wonder why God's not using them and why God's not doing things in their life. Knowing the Bible does not make you super Christian. Walking it out is what leads you to next level maturity. And you have to surrender to the idea that number one, you're not really that important. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you and you're not special because in God's eyes you are special. But The Bible also says God's no respecter of persons, which means he doesn't love me more than he loves you. And what he's done for me, he will do for you and vice versa. Second of all, we got to get off our high horse and we got to start walking where the need is. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that are well. A doctor doesn't come to help those that are well. A doctor comes to help those that are sick. That requires sacrifice. You know, everybody, especially nowadays with the hyper-grace movement and all that junk, everybody wants to talk about God's grace and mercy. No one wants to talk about holiness. No one wants to talk about the sacrifices that we all have to make. No one is exempt from this. That we all have to make to seek holiness in our lives. Because when we're walking in holiness, that's when God's anointing can flow through our life and huge, huge things can happen. That God can use you in a great and mighty way. And holiness only comes (laughs) through one avenue. And most of the time it's suffering. That means putting that flesh that's rebellious on a cross and driving nails in it each and every day. Not giving it what it wants each and every day. And I struggle with it. You struggle with it. No one's exempt from that struggle. That's the whole Romans 7, 8 thing. Go read chapters 7 and 8 in Romans. You'll see what I'm talking about. But we can't move to that next level until we decide to take on the identity of Christ. To take on the identity that the Word says that we are. And that there's some things in our past we should never forget. Because it helps us stay sober moving forward. And then there's other things in our past and other people from our past that we most certainly need to forget. Because it's keeping us from going to the next level. It 
It's the only pathway to that varsity level walk with God. And holiness is all up in the middle of that. You can have the best intentions in the world. You can go to all the feel-good churches you want to go to that tell you that God's okay with your sin. I got news for you. He's not. And it took the murder of an innocent man to cover that sin. His name was Jesus. Grace does not make sin safe. Sin is still dangerous. It will still rob you of everything that you love in life. Of everybody that you love in life. We have to take this seriously. And we got to let go of the things that are getting in the way. For some of us, that means sitting down and praying and, and breaking the ties that we with the people that we tied ourselves to. You know, for others, it's, it's about, you know, getting to a place where we can find victory in our life on a, on a different level. Maybe you've been stuck on that plateau of recovery for a long time and unable to get to that, that level of freedom you see operating in other people's lives. Well, let me say a couple things about that. First of all, none of us are where we want to be. And I asked this question to a whole bunch of people. People been in the faith for 50, 60 years. People been in the faith for two or three years. And they all have the same thing, same answer. When I say, are you where you think you should be at this point in your life? They all say the same thing. No. None of us are. None of us have arrived. But some of us have figured out how to walk in victory in this world. And it comes through things like this. It comes through letting go of baggage that's holding you down. It comes through just, you know, that fish or cut bait kind of mentality where it's time to, to make some changes. It's time to change the way I think. Maybe it's time to really take reading the Bible seriously. When I first came into the faith and was serious about serving God in 1994... I had, I had various learning disabilities. I was dyslexic. No one struggled with reading the Bible more than I did. And you know what? I prayed with all my heart for God to open my eyes to his understanding and for him to give me a passion and revelation knowledge of his word because I wanted to discover God on my own through his word, not because some, you know, Slick-talking preacher talked me into being a Christian. I wanted to be a Christian because I discovered God. Because before I came to the faith, I was an atheist. I had to discover him on my own. I had to be able to stand in confidence when speaking to other people and know without a shadow of a doubt that, number one, he existed, and number two, he loved us beyond measure. And I had some brothers pray over me one night in a church when no one was around. And this brother prayed that the words leap off the pages of the Bible and absorb into my heart and into my mind and into my soul. And God healed me of a bunch of those things that were getting in the way of me being able to read his word. Now I can sit down for hours and hours at a time and just enjoy reading his word. 
I podcast four or five hours a day, sermons and things like that. I have an audio version of the Bible that I listen to on a regular basis. I have other ancient writings that I like to listen to that complement the Bible, that shed, you know, outside light into the Bible. I'm very interested into the, you know, things of archaeology that, you know, continue to prove the Bible to be what it is. Because I'm still chasing that idea of discovering God on my own. Of doing the homework that I need to do in my personal life to walk out holiness. And guys, I miss it. I mean, sometimes I miss it big time. But it's not going to defer me from still seeking a deep personal relationship with God. Guys, I hope all this made sense to you. I hope it really spoke to you. Please subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. We love those, you know, five-star reviews. Um, I love to hear from you. If you have any questions about recovery or about uh, God or Christianity or any of that kind of stuff, uh, nothing is off the table for me. I will address and talk about anything that you want to talk about in this podcast. I love doing those listener question podcasts. They're always a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy digging into the Word. I enjoy finding correct answers biblically. Um, So, yeah, by all means, leave me a review. Leave me some questions in the review section. You're welcome to go to Facebook and find the Truth Labyrinth podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can, you know, uh, send me a question there as well if you'd like. Um, And I'm going to pray that you guys have a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend. In Jesus' name I pray.